Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Stand with me if you would. Welcome all of you watching online. Stay there. Don't hit the X. All right. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Glad you're here today. I began um, a series a few weeks back and was interrupted last week with a kind of a prophetic word, uh, but I'm going back to the place called blessing. And uh, during this time of year, the thing I love about it is there seems to be always an elevated sense of expectation, which oftentimes brings with it uh, excitement and other times disappointment, uh, unmet expectations oftentimes creates unnecessary frustrations. But I love expectations because it is uh, a branch of faith, if you will, that says I'm believing for something that I cannot see. And uh, oftentimes uh, we live our lives based on what we see and we get excited about it. But most of what we want in life is invisible. You can't see it right now. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So God gives us a lot of room to exercise faith. And as a result of that faith, we get to experience God's blessing. So if you would, turn in your Bibles first to uh, Genesis chapter 12, and we'll get started. Um, I talked the first week about how we declare what we say, what we confess, in religious circles, not Christian circles, but religious circles, this is a message that religious people hate because a lot of people think just because I pray that God is, has to answer. He's obligated. But the reality is that when we pray, the next step is that we must obey. A lot of times people pray and say, I haven't seen anything happen. You say, well, God, you know, I really want, I want to have a blessed life. I want to have great friends. I want everybody to like me, and yet you don't like other people. And as a result of that, you're asking God to, to give you friends, but then you're people you hate. Well, God can't do that because we're, we're, we're not supposed to hate anyone. And so when we pray, we must be willing to obey. God doesn't just bless randomly and go, you know, I think I'll bless them. And some people think because they pray for an hour a day or two hours a day that God is obligated based on their prayer time. The reality is God is not obligated based on our prayer time. He's obligated based on our obedience to what we pray about. And this is where it gets off. So God bless me financially. God help us to pay our bills. And God's going, well, you haven't brought the tithe into the storehouse. You haven't given. You haven't done anything to release my blessing. 
you haven't obeyed my word. And God says, I love you, I want to bless you, but God is obligated by covenant just as you are. If God were to bless you without your obedience, it wouldn't be right. He would be breaking his covenant. We only are blessed, according to Deuteronomy 28, is if we obey the Lord. And so I, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not putting anyone down. God loves you with everything in him. He loves you. He loves you as much as he loves everybody. But the reality is that God cannot and will not violate his own covenant and his own word. And so if he were to give to people and he was responsible for the gifts and the givings that, that they experience, because the, the real problem is the devil always counterfeits everything. You see people who don't know God, don't believe in God, and you see the wealth they have. That doesn't mean they're blessed. That means they have wealth. There's a difference. Blessing doesn't cause misery. He adds, matter of fact, the Bible says he'll bless you, but he'll add no trouble to it. So there are people with money, but it doesn't mean that they're wealthy, and it doesn't mean they're happy. It just means they have money. I'm talking about blessing. I'm talking about when you get it, you're still happy. You were happy when you didn't have it. You're happy when you do have it because it's the blessing of God. So I want you to get this because uh, I hear people always, well, you know, I volunteer at the church, not just Mosaic. I volunteer at the church. I pray an hour a day. Why am I not blessed? Well, if you're going to pray, you must obey. Now, Genesis chapter 12. Verse 1, the Lord has, had said to Abram, leave your country and your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, he's telling Abraham, you're going to have to do something to get what I have for you. You're going to have to get up and go. And most people say, God, if you'll show, I'll go. And God says, if you go, I'll show. Can I tell you who wins that argument? You must go in order to get God to show. And most people are saying, God, if you'll show, I'll go. But what happens is once God shows, we forget to goes. I had to use the goes to, anyway, you got it. And so he's telling Abraham, I meant for your father to get this, but your father stopped short of the promise. So here's what happens. You grow up in a Christian home. You grow up in a home where somebody started following God. But they came to a place where either their pain was so great or their comfort was so great, they decide to stop short of God's promise. Well, we're okay, and the devil loves it. His goal is to, for you to just say, I'm okay, and, and you got enough. Can I tell you something? God is not the God of enough. He's the God of more than enough. So if you got enough, you know it ain't God. But if you got more than enough, you go, I got God going on up in here. And so we have to realize that one of the demonic goals of Satan is to make us feel comfortable. We're okay. We have enough. That's where he wants you to live because if you're there, you can only take care of your needs. But when you serve a God of more than enough and he gives you more than enough, you have more than enough to help somebody else know that God is God and he's a God of more than enough and he spills over. So he says, Abram, yeah, your father lived here, and you grew up here, 
and you watched your father, but I've got more for you, and I had more for him, but he stopped. And a lot of people do this. They stop. They get to a place where, you know, I got more than my mom and dad had. My car is better. My house is better. I got more than them. We're okay. The devil loves it. This is what I call religious. Religious people say, I'm going to heaven someday. In the sweet by and by. And God says, I want to bless you in the nasty now and now. Not in the sweet by and by. I want to give you more than enough, but you must obey me. Now, this is where it gets tricky because millennials don't even know what the word obedience means. At 16, they know more than anybody on earth. At which time you say, leave home while you know everything. This is the problem with our society. Obedience is not something we talk about. Submission, surrender, obedience. These are not things that we talk about anymore because we just want to be okay. And whatever it costs to have peace, I'll pay it. No, it doesn't cost. He is the prince of peace. He's already paid for your peace. You don't have to compromise to get peace. But let me tell you, to get blessing, it will require something of you. God's already made it possible. But you and I have to make it absolute. And in doing so, we must obey the Lord. Now, there are three enemies of your blessing. The number one enemy is comfort. Abram had made a home, his father's household, his family, his friends. He grows up in Haran, and all of a sudden God says, you know, i got to make somebody an example here. Somebody has to believe me beyond their comfort zone. They have to believe me. Abram, I want you to leave here, and I'm going to take you to a place I will show you. God has spoken to a lot of people, there's a place I want you to go, and if you go, I'll show, but you ain't going because you ain't seeing. Most people say, I got to see in order to believe, but Jesus told Thomas, he said, blessed are those who have not seen, and they still believe. Abram had to believe God that if he left all the comforts of family and friends and homes and everything he was familiar with, he said, only if you leave and do what I say will you find my blessing, I will make your name great, and all the nations of the earth will, will see it. And he said, those who bless you, I will bless them just because you obeyed me. But those who curse you, I'll curse. You don't have to worry about people cursing you. I got you covered. Because we're always worrying about the critics, and that's the next thing. Comfort and criticism. A lot of people stay where they are because you be criticized into the position you're in. If you move outside the family home, if you do something different than the family, you decide you want a little more from God, you're believing you're a faith person, you actually believe that the fruit of your lips changes your life and gives direction to God and saying, God, I'm ready. You'll be criticized. When I left the denomination I grew up in, I was blackballed by the family. Why would you go to that place? Because I want more than what y'all got. I didn't say it with that quite that force, but the ones I told are dead now. So anyway, <laughs> I can preach it with confidence. But there will always be critics. The minute you start believing God for more than what your friend has, you become psycho. 
Because you raise the bar, you raise the standard, and you declare something is out of reach for me, but it's not out of reach for God, and I'm going to challenge us to believe that my land of promise awaits me. God's waiting on me to go. And if I go, he will show. God, pay the electric this month. God, take care of this. And God's going, you know, are you obeying me? Now, please get this. Don't get mad at me. I'm trying to help you. But people pray in these prayers all the time. You're crying out, begging to God, and nothing ever happens. God didn't show up. This is what I hear. God didn't show up. Well, you didn't show up. God already showed up 2,000 years ago in the person of Jesus. Now he's saying you need to show up, you need to grow up, and you need to shut up. I don't believe in patty cake Christianity. Little patty cake. It'll be okay. It's not going to be okay without you being obey. You got to obey to be okay. But I'll be criticized. People will think I'm crazy. I read a post the other day, and everybody trumps in, jumps in, and trumps in on this, uh, you know, this declaration that uh, Proverbs eighteen twenty one: the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. They say, well, you know, power of life and death. They think you're talking about physically killing somebody or dying. I'm talking about giving life to dreams. When you speak, you give life to something or you give death to something. If you're negative, why why would God bless you if you're negative? He said, without faith, it's impossible to please him. You're going to have what you say. That's what the Bible says. Paul said, we believe, therefore we speak. What are you believing? If you're declaring it ain't going to happen, why would God make it happen? Because you're telling God he's not capable. God is capable of anything and everything that we will dare believe in. And it's time that we change the way we speak. If something negative happens, declare something positive is going to come out of it because God will make that thing which the devil meant for harm turn for your good. That is if you believe it and if you declare it, but if you say, "Ah, it always happens to our family, nothing good ever happens to us, we'll keep it up, puppy. And it's just going to keep on going that way because nobody has stepped up because you're afraid of criticism. You're afraid to be optimistic. You're afraid to be positive. Comfort, criticism, and cares. If you carry the weight of the world, turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Or 12, I'm sorry. Therefore, then, since we are surrounded, this is how the Amplified, uh, by a great cloud of witnesses. In other words, in the heavenlies, you have Isaiah, Jeremiah, you have Deborah, you have all these people that have lived, and, and it says we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth. The reason we have the Bible is not to say that we just read it or we carry it. The Bible is not your little shield to carry around and keep demons away. You do that by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you, not by holding 66 books up between two covers. You Hold his word in your mouth and you declare it. And it says, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us, and let us run with patient endurance and a steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us. Most people are looking behind instead of ahead. 
looking ahead at the joy set before us of knowing that God wants to do more than anybody can think, ask, or imagine. And when you are blessed, you will be criticized. Why you? You're not better than me. Man, if this was about better, we'd all be going to hell. This is not about who's better than somebody else. This is about people who dare to believe that God can do more than we can think, ask, or imagine according to the power that works in us. Today, I want to talk about finding your somewhere, finding your place. There's a place of obedience. We can't just be blessed everywhere we go unless God sends us everywhere, but God doesn't usually send us everywhere. He sends us somewhere. Now, I got to tell you, I, 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 I love the people of Oklahoma. I got to tell you, every time I've traveled, I tell you, you won't find a nicer group of people than Oklahomans. I mean, Oklahoma people are just priceless. However, having traveled the world and preached in South Africa, all over Australia, all over Europe, I preached everywhere, and not one time did anybody say, before I die, I got to visit Oklahoma City. <laughs> it's on my bucket list. Now, they say, I want to go to the Big Apple. I want to go to Hollywood. They want to go to some of those places, but not one time. But guess what? I don't know about you, but this is my somewhere. This is my place of obedience. This is my place of blessing right here. I don't know why. I mean, you go outside right now, everything's dead. It's cold. It's rainy. I think I saw the sun pop out between services, but I'm sure it went back down. There ain't any salt water unless you shake that little umbrella lady up into some salt water. There ain't no salt water here. The highest elevation we got about three feet here. This is where the wind comes sweeping down the plains. Some of y'all think we got mountains. Those are hills. <laughs> what I'm saying is sometimes we don't know our somewhere, but if this is your somewhere, you can declare God's blessing. You don't have to be in Hollywood or the Big Apple. You can be right here in middle America and watch God do something absolutely marvelous if this is your somewhere. But he said, let us take all the cares and the sins and everything that entangles us and throw them off. What are some of those things? Well, you know, if I live somewhere else, if I was somewhere else, if some, and, and we, that's entanglement. Those are things, the cares that keep us bound and down. I mean, you could live in Wichita and find God's blessing. I don't know how, but I know it's true. Because you could stand at the Kansas-Missouri line, and you can see all the way to Colorado. That's how flat it is if you don't have cataracts. Three enemies, comfort, criticism, and cares. Now, here's what I want to share with you. If you would, turn your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 17. God oftentimes sends us places we don't understand. Any of you ever had God put an impression on you, go, go somewhere, be somewhere, do something, and you go, that can't be God? 1 Kings chapter 17, now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishba in Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain the next few years except at my Word. Now, 
you talk about a man of faith. He's saying it ain't going to rain. There's not going to be any moisture anywhere. He tells King Ahab. He knew. He stepped out and confessed something and declared something that God had put on him. And sure enough, it's not happening. And he tells. So now Elijah's afraid because Ahab married to Jezebel. Jezze was a witch. I'm going to tell you, if I know anybody's in hell, Jezebel. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here. He's going to find his somewhere. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine. East of the Jordan, you will drink from the brook, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. Can you imagine the criticism? Elijah's telling his family, I'm going to the brook Kareth, and I don't have any food, but there's water in the brook right now. I'll drink, but then the birds are going to feed me. They think you're on LSD, meth, coke, heroin. They think you're on something because there ain't nothing up in here. That's going, birds are going to feed me. Right. That was his blessed somewhere. Sometimes we are in places we don't understand, but if you understand that's your somewhere, then you absolutely can bank on God taking care of you there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Sometime later, the brook dried up. Now, that'll make you question whether or not you're in the right somewhere. There had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath of Sidon, and stay there, I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So now he says, your somewhere has changed, and I want you to go from this somewhere to this somewhere. <laughs> and he says, I'll have a widow. Now we go from birds to widows. And let me tell you, what's, what's scary about that back in this day, there was no liberation movement for women. This is a widow barely making it happen. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. This is one arrogant prophet. You're talking to a widow who has nothing. Now bring me something to eat. Nowadays, women be like, get it yourself, punk. I am woman, hear me roar. Thank you, Helen. You young people don't even know it. Google Helen Reddy. She, she broke the chains, baby. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Now, if I'm, if I'm Elijah, I'm, going, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Forget I asked. No, he stayed with it. Why? Because he knew this was not only now his somewhere, this was her somewhere. So she obeyed what he said. She goes home, she makes him bread, and the Bible goes on to say, and she had enough oil for the rest of the drought. She didn't die. She was able to cook for her kid and her, and she stayed alive. He created a somewhere, not just for him, but for her. 
She didn't run. She didn't leave. She didn't rebel. She didn't reject. She did what the prophet said, and God says, I will bless you. This is now you're somewhere. You didn't quit. You didn't run. I'm going to bless you as you bless him. I'm blessing you to be a blessing. Too often we get comfortable. I'm okay. We're okay. Or we get criticized. How in the world could one man ask a little widow to go home and she was going to make her kid a bread and her some bread and they were going to die? How dare you to ask that question to a precious little widow who lost her husband and lost everything? But Elijah knew that God had spoken to him and that her blessing was the result of her obedience. we asking God to bless him. We can't even obey. On the way to church this morning, I looked at Susan. I see people out running in the rain and everything. I thought, and I get a little mad. I'm just going to be honest with you. My flesh comes out. Can you even give God an hour and a half a week? You can't even get up and go to church, but you can get out and run your fat little body around. Did I say fat? Metabolism challenged. I'm sorry. People can get out and run, but they can't walk or drive to church. But I got to look good. Okay, that was my flesh moment. Go with it. I just look and I go, where, where, we want God to bless. We can't get out of bed and give him a little worship on Sunday. Are you listening? I'm exhausted with, I just don't have time. You know, I got, I got to get up. I got to get dressed. And I got to drive 15, 20 minutes when you drive an hour to work every day and an hour home. But church is too far away for me to obey. And go all the way. And yet God bless me. God's going, really? We're asking God, draw near to me. God says, no, I'm telling you, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. You're waiting on God. You're going to be waiting a long time. So he already drew near 2,000 years ago and said, I've covered everything. Now if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. I'll make things happen. You never thought it could happen, but you've got to obey. Come on, church. I am so exhausted with this asking God. God is not a butler. He's not a chauffeur. We want to be blessed. We pray for blessing. Some people think if I just pray an hour, I'll be blessed. No, you won't. You might be closer to God. You're drawing near, but are you going to obey him after you pray to him? God, help me financially. God said, well, you haven't brought the tithe into the storehouse. I know, God, that's 10%. That's a lot. Well, you haven't given either. I know, but, you know, given it shall be given. See, God, God set the Bible up with full incentives. He incentivized us. He didn't have to. He could have said, I'd say, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Just obey me. He said, no, no, no. If you obey me, he said, I'm going to open the windows of heaven. I'm going to pour out such a blessing. You're not going to have room enough to contain it all, and I'm going to rebuke the devourer for your sake. But until you do that, you're never going to experience the full blessing of God. Just because you serve as an usher, a greeter, or any place else in the church, that does not open the heavens. If you want oranges, you sow orange seed. You don't sow apple seeds and go, God, I can't believe it. I got apples. I prayed for oranges. And God said, you planted the wrong seed. (laughs) So your time and your prayer doesn't release the wealth of God. It releases time and maybe somebody serving you. That's great if that's what you want. But I don't hear people praying for that. God, help me financially. Well, do something that would open heaven for you. Don't get mad at me. If you do, you'll have to ask for forgiveness because I'm preaching out of the Bible. 
You're going to get mad. That's the reason a lot of people don't read it. It makes them angry. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. But I don't want to forgive. I got my feelings hurt. <laughs> like nobody has ever been hurt like you. Seriously. <coughs> okay. Now, I'm going to give you three points here to counter the enemies. Number one, everything you want is somewhere, but everything you want is not everywhere. <coughs> so you have to ask, where is that somewhere? Where is that place? I've said this all of my pastoral years. You can't go to church where you want to go to church. You go to church where God's called you to go to church. And when I say this, it could work for me, it could work against me. I, I still believe in it. When, anytime anybody's ever told me, and some people say it with such excitement, I'm leaving your church. As one lady said, there's just too much levity here. I said, well, levitate on out. Because if you've emotionally made this decision, I'm probably not going to change it. But if you've made, and then I've had people come up and say, you know, God really spoke to me. Here's what I need to do. I say, well, then you must obey God. That's all I ever care about is obey God. If you obey God, you'll find your place and you'll find where God can bless you. You see, I've been bought with a price. You think, I, you know where I would be pastoring today if I had my choice? I'd be having church on the beach. Yeah, and you'd be with me. Listen to you. You're like, yeah, that's our somewhere. That's my someplace right there. I know where I'm my somewhere. That's where I'd be. But no, we're right here in Tornado Alley. God bless America. Yeah, it's exciting. Just get that tornado saddle out and ride that sucker. Matthew chapter 17, talking about critics and finding that place and doing what God says and obeying God. If I would have been a disciple, I would have been fired the first day. Jesus had these guys doing things that just made no sense. Jesus would have been called as he was a heretic, which is why he was crucified, because he said, I'm the son of God, and he said, no, you're not. So the, he and Peter come to this town. It says, after Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay temple tax? Because they, they called Jesus a teacher. They knew he had authority of some type. And it's two drachma each. And so it's Peter and Jesus. And he said, yes, he does. Peter replies, when Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon? He asked, from whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes from, from their own sons or from others? From others, Peter answered. Then the sons are exempt, Jesus said to him. But that we may not offend them, go to the lake, throw out your line, take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Now, most of the time we read the Bible, we just kind of read, brush through it. I fished most of my young life. I never got any money out of a fish. It seems unfair to me. I mean, after all, wouldn't it be wonderful if every fish you caught had money, you'd never have to go to work? 
Just cast your line out. The oceans would be filled with people. Sometimes Jesus will ask you to go places and do things you don't think make any sense whatsoever. And because they don't make sense to us, we don't do it. Abram, go to a land I will show you. Really, Jesus, give me some heads up here. No, what God is looking for is people filled with faith because faith pleases him. God is giving us an opportunity to bring pleasure to himself. Remember the first time God told me to give a car away, I went, oh, God, come on, seriously? Never heard of it before in my life as a kid growing up. Nobody ever talked about it. Nobody ever did it. But whatever you sow, you reap. That's how the principle works. To walk in the blessing of God requires faith and obedience. Faith and obedience. Faith and obedience. The reason I'm teaching this today, please get this. We're coming into this time of year where there's a lot of expectation, a lot of excitement, family time and all of this. And a lot of times people get excited and a lot of times people get stressed because they don't have the, the wherewithal to do what they want to do. Because throughout the year we didn't do what we were supposed to do. You say, this is mean. It's not mean at all. I've been doing this for a long time. I've prayed for a lot of people. And when people, there was a time I heard R.W. Shambach. I don't remember if you remember big R.W. Shambach. He was offensive in every possible way, but he smiled when he was offensive. So he, he, he's the one that taught me when you pray, be specific and obey. Don't ask God for something unless you're operating in obedience to him. So people would come, and they would ask, you know, I, I need money, I, or, you know, and I, I, I like a better job, whatever. And my first question nowadays is, let me ask you a question. Do you tithe? If they say no, I say, well, you know, I'm going to have a hard time praying for you, so my first prayer is that you'd start tithing. Because if you don't, you're asking God to violate his own covenant, and he won't, and he can't. You're asking God to violate his covenant. Otherwise, so if he were to bless somebody who didn't tithe at the same level he blessed someone who did, how fair is that? It's not fair at all because someone who disobeys gets the same fruit as the one who obeys. Not everybody's going to heaven, but that's not God's fault because they refuse to call on the name of the Lord that they might be saved. You see, everything comes. There's incentive. God said, if you'll pray and, you, and you'll accept me as Savior, I'm going to go prepare a place for you that where my father is, you may be also. In my father's house are many mansions, if not well, so I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you might be also. So nobody get you know, some people think, well, there are many pathways to heaven. Everybody's going to heaven. It's going to be a real long eternity. They're going to go, oops. Only I think it's going to be like crispy oops. Some of you got it. Others will have a discussion about it. Secondly, you belong somewhere, but you don't belong everywhere. A lot of people just think they can bounce around. No, you belong somewhere. You don't belong everywhere. I couldn't start a church where I wanted to start a church, obviously. Then when I say that, I love you. I love the people of this state. It lacks a little bit in entertainment. Just a little. But the reality is, this is my somewhere. 
this is my place. This is obedience right here. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying that arrogantly at all. I was just fine with whatever God wanted to do. What I've learned is one thing I have learned is if I will do what God says do, I cannot help but be overcome. He said, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So if you think simply praying is going to change everything, think again. My dad had American Indian blood. My grandfather spoke Cherokee. As a result of that, guess what runs in that line? Heart disease and diabetes. You can, you can be sure that that's going to be something you have to be aware of. So what I decided was I was going to get ahead of that curve because I watched my dad go through heart surgery after heart surgery, have type 2 diabetes. I saw all of that. And I could pray, God, don't let it happen to me as I eat fried chicken every day and pie and ice cream. There is something wrong with that prayer. God says, if you're going to pray for health, do something that produces health. Now, come on now. Listen to me. I'm giving you every opportunity to be angry but not sin. I'm not mad at anybody, but listen to me. I don't get up and ask God, what do they want to hear? I get up and ask God, what do you want me to say? Because quite frankly, I'm going to preach what God wants, and I'm going to try to help somebody. And oftentimes when you're trying to help somebody, the truth doesn't land well. But I'm going to tell you the truth. we got to stop praying shallow prayers and going deep into obedience. And I don't mean any condemnation. I'm just telling you, I took it seriously. When I saw my dad barely breathing in the recovery room after open-heart surgery, I thought to myself, I don't want this. What am I going to do to not have this? And at 40 years old, I started making a routine of working out five days a week. I tell Susan all the time, I'm in pain a lot. But I'd rather be in moments of pain than a lifestyle of pain. It costs something for us to walk in the blessing of God. I believe in prayer, but we can't just pray. We must obey. You belong somewhere. You don't belong everywhere. And lastly, you will succeed somewhere, but you will not succeed everywhere. We have been bought with a price. John chapter 21, you may remember the story that the disciples had fished all night and caught nothing. You remember that story? Little great Bible story. And Jesus comes along and says, cast your net on the other side. Peter said, well, we fished all night long, but because you asked or you said, we'll do it. They did. They had such a haul that they had to call another boat over to put the fish in the other boat because they were about to sink. Now, most fishermen would have had an argument saying, we're not doing that. We know how to fish. This is what we do for a profession. And Jesus said, well, you haven't caught anything all night, I know. Just like you said, you haven't caught a thing. But if you'll do what I tell you to do, he didn't make the, he didn't make the fish jump in the boat. He could have. How many of you know he could have just washed the fish up on the beach? He's Jesus. He could have done it without them doing anything, but God will not do it without us being involved in doing something in our somewhere place. 
So they do what he said. They cast the net on the other side, and they get a boatload. They obeyed. They did something. They didn't say, well, let us go to another location. This location is not working. There are no fish here. He said, no, no, no. This is your somewhere place. If you'll do what I say, you'll be blessed as I said you would be blessed. Folks, listen. Those of you without job, there's a job out there for you. And you need to be willing to say, God, whatever it is, I'll do it. You just take me there. You tell me where to go. You tell me what to do. But I don't want to. That's a menial task. I, 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 and we start having a conversation with God. We need to start ha- stop having a conversation with God and start navigating what God has already said. You guys have heard the story in January 3rd, 2016, sitting in a church in California, and God says, uh, what are you doing here? So I'm in church. Why are you here? Because it's church. Why did you leave Oklahoma City? And I said these words, God, you don't understand. (laughs) Dumbest words any human being could ever say to God, you don't understand. Really? The one who made the galaxies doesn't get why you're sitting where you're not supposed to be sitting? That was the end of my conversation. And I said, yes, sir. I'll go back to Oklahoma City. Nobody will come. But I'll go back in obedience to you. And look at you during COVID. We're just full here. During COVID. Here's the reality, folks. We're in for the fight of our lives. And you notice I'm smiling when I say that. Because where I grew up, you smiled. And I'm just going to tell you something right now. Christians are going to have to stand up. We're going to have to believe God. And Paul said, I've run the race. I fought the good fight. I kept the faith. In other words, I did something. I ran. I fought. I kept. God doesn't. He's he's not a genie in a bottle. He's not a fairy that just goes around blessing sprinkling pixie dust on you. God looks at the hearts of man, and he looks for the willing and obedient. He said the willing and obedient shall eat the good of the land. Not the wanting and the needy, but the willing and obedient. It's time for us to step up and say, God, I'm going to change what I've been doing because what I've been doing is not working. And, you know, the definition of insanity, doing the same thing, expecting different results. If you want something different, you're going to have to do something different. So let me suggest that you get her done. (laughs) I want to see this house blessed. I want to see your house blessed. I want to see you blessed. And hopefully you will not forget this message. You can't do what you want to do and ask God to be involved. You ask God what he's doing and ask if you can be involved. And then do what he says. Father, thank you for giving us your word, the Bible, to instruct us. There is no excuse for us to not obey. You've shown yourself strong throughout history. And, Lord, we know that you have strength enough for all of us if we will get involved with what you're doing. 
So, Lord, help us to not get mad at the message or the messenger. Help us to absorb and soak in the scriptures that I read today and quoted today. That we would walk in your blessing to the degree and extent that we would be a blessing to others. That we wouldn't just have enough for us. We would have more than enough so we could be a blessing to others. Help us, Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed, those of you watching online, take just a moment. If you want to be a Christian, let me just take it to another level because this was me when I was lost without God. I wanted to go to heaven. I really didn't know enough about the Bible to know that God, all that I preached to you today existed. But I knew one thing that I believed in, that there was a heaven and there was a hell. And people who had confessed Christ would go to heaven and those who had rejected him would not. I knew enough that I did not want to go to hell because I had grown up in a church that only preached hell. And let me tell you, they made it scary enough for me to not want to go there. But I didn't think I could go to heaven because I knew my behavior was not what I thought it should be. And that's when I thought it was by works that I'd go to heaven. And I knew my works were not good enough to get me there. My works would not be enough to make me want to love anybody. But I didn't know God. And I didn't know that God was love. And, and that God wasn't looking at my behavior. He was looking at my heart. And if I had a heart to serve Him, love Him, and accept Him, if I just had a heart to do it, that I could go to heaven. Now, I didn't even get to the place of blessing on earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as earth is in heaven. I just thought I don't want to go to hell. So I prayed this prayer, and I got born again July 17, 1977, when I was like five years old. And that's a lie. The five-year-old part. <sighs> but I remember on that day going to a church and realizing something had to change. I was depressed, suicidal. I didn't want to live. I, 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 nothing was going right for me. On that particular day, I thought, well, I'm going to give God a chance. Hello. I prayed the prayer, and within just a matter of weeks, everything began to change in my life. Literally everything began to change. I began to see things differently. I began to do things differently. I began to trust God and obey God. And as I did, everything began to unfold before me. And from that day to this day, I've just decided that if I want anything from God, it wasn't about praying an hour a day. It was about obeying 24 hours a day. It was about waking up and saying, God, you're in charge today. This is the day you've made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. And whatever you tell me, I'm going to do my very best to do it. Even though I know I don't deserve anything that you're giving me today, I'm going to obey you. And you, by covenant commitment, are going to do what you've told me you'll do. And he is not disappointed and he's always done everything. God is not a man that he should lie. He is a faithful God. If we simply obey him, you look, you can go to heaven. You can, I'm just telling you, going to heaven, I, I hate to say it this way, that's the easy part. The hard part's getting heaven to earth. That's where our obedience to his mandates come into play. But it all begins by making Jesus Christ 
the Lord of our lives. So I want to ask everyone here to pray this and those of you watching online, pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to suffer and die for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. I call on your name. And I declare today I am saved. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, those of you that prayed that prayer, you can look up. You prayed that prayer for the first time or to rededicate your life. I want you to do something here. It's very important. I want you to text the word SAVED with your name to 405-500-1310. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.